chapter 5 this morning. Um, you're all turning there. And uh, if we can have the first slide, we can get right into it, actually. Um, Lord Jesus, as we read your scriptures, Lord, I pray, God, you would bless us all um, this morning, and that we'd come to know you better and better each and every day. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so, so today, I kind of sectioned off in two parts, part one, part two. And this is part one here, starting at this slide. Uh, and the reason being is I kind of didn't have a chance to finish last week what I wanted to finish, and I didn't want to rush. So I'm kind of going to deal with what we left off with last week, and then we're going to move in on to the next section, which actually should flow quite easily and nicely. So um, just, just a reminder what we're coming off of, um, you know, the story where the fellow sold his land and gave it to the church. The church was living together, sharing together, and um, it, it was quite a communal situation, a community. Um, and then Ananias and Sapphira, they were a little bit more beguiled by Satan's um, trickery. And so they deceived you know, the church and they sold their property, but they only gave a portion, but claimed that they gave a full portion. And we talked about the spiritual wellness and spiritual well-being um, and that's kind of going off into this and how it's better if we were to repent that's what God's will is that we would repent change turn from our sins to be healed to be whole and that's what we see the disciples the apostles doing throughout the book of Acts specifically here in Acts chapter 5 starting in verse 12 and it goes like this in verse 12 the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people and, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them. Well, specifically after what happened with Ananias and Sapphira, I don't blame them. Even though they were highly regarded by the people. So there was a great respect. People admired and looked up to the church. They were very popular. Uh, but there was a kind of, you know, a, a timid fear. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. But yet the word went out. You know, the church is infant stage, and we talked about last week how when, when, when a young child grows, it, it's, it grows the quickest in the first couple of years. And this is what we see the church. It's in an infant stage, but it's growing really quickly in the first couple of years. Verse 15, as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. So uh, we see this, 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 this desperation, which, you know, heal us. Heal us, you know, and, and so some people are turning to God and believing in Christ, but, 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 but we're seeing these wonderful things happening, and so these sick people, they want to be healed, they're desperate, and, and we see in 16 crowds gathering also from towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. Next slide. And all of them were healed. And I already started this off last week by saying I do believe that all spiritual uh, afflictions can be healed like this still today. I, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of perspective, a lot of 
thoughts and, and theories and investigation upon what's different than what's than today. And I don't think God operates too different today than he did back then. I don't think so. Um, and and that, that does rub a lot of people the wrong way because there's a camp of Christians who believe that when what the apostles did were very special for them. And when the, and when it, and when the scriptures were fulfilled, the, the completion of the canon, then a lot of the gifts and including healings like that stopped. I don't, I don't buy that because the scriptures don't really give us any indication that that's the case. And that's, all, and that's, I think that's fair enough. And not only that, but I actually, in my own life, have seen a lot of signs and wonders. I have, I've seen them. And the thing is, I think for a lot of people, we don't believe in what we see. We see miraculous things happening around us all the time, but we don't believe it. We don't, we, we are skeptic about it. And the thing is, the reason why, and I have a biblical proof for that, is because what we see here was a radical outpouring of the Holy Spirit or outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a radical movement, a quick growth of the church. And yet there were some that were saved and respond to it, but yet there were many who just remained skeptic. So if this was a radical time, a movement of the Holy Spirit, and yet still many people remain skeptic, I think today when God's Spirit is moving a little bit more gently, you know, we're going to have even more skeptics. It makes sense. You're going to have people who see, believe, and receive but you're also going to still have people who say, nah, it's not a real miracle. Nah. And the thing is, I've talked to a lot of people, young and old alike, who've have had amazing things happen to them in their lives. And they hold on to these great memories, these great things that has happened to them, where God's met them and has changed life in amazing ways. And so I do believe God still works in this way. And I think he wants to use us in these Fantastic ways. But, but, but one of the, the problems is with, with another camp, the other opposite side, is who believe that all healing, all afflictions must be healed. It, 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 and in this, this, persu- this, this camp, I believe, it takes, its, it, it takes its lead from the Gnostic heresies that, that, that even you know, Paul addressed in Colossians and other portions of scriptures deals with the Gnostic heresies. And the Gnostic heresy is that there are all, everything's basically spiritual. But yet, but it's our feeble mind that is, that is, that is, that is remains, that is obsessed and prisoned in the physical. But all that's real is spiritual. And so for them, all healings are spiritual. But the thing is, I don't believe that either. I believe there's different kinds of afflictions. And, I'm, and that's why I've got this slide in the next two slides, where I'm going to talk about the three different kinds of afflictions. And like I said, we started last week by looking at the spiritual afflictions, which is what we see a lot going on here in Acts 5. And these are caused by sin. Yeah, it's, it, it's affected the world, the natural world. It's affected human, humanity. It's affected our community, our relationships. It's, it's a moral, it's a deep, ethical falling away disobedience to God. And there are implications. There are, and it's even demonic because the deep, the angels themselves, the scriptures, scriptures have said, are fallen. They've disobeyed and turned from God. So it's truly rooted in our rebellion against God. Disobedience, distrust towards God. And the Bible has a couple, the Bible's filled with examples, but here's a couple examples of afflictions that are caused by spiritual Natures or special things, the afflictions that are um, that we have seen are, are being healed here um, in Acts five. So the, so the actual afflictions we see here being healed here, but also we remember the madman that was possessed by legion. You know the 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 the, the, the mass amount of demons that possessed this fellow called Legion. He was cured by by Christ. Mark five. 
We also remember the mute boy, and I also bolded. You, you can kind of see it in that slide. I made bold the, 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 the symptoms. One was madness. The other one was mute. And we should, if I was really going to do extensive study on this, I would, I would lay out as, my, as many examples in the scriptures as I can. But, but I don't want to make this exhaustive. I want to just kind of get an idea of kind of what these afflictions look like. Madness, like mental health issues. Mute, an inability to talk, this, this oppression. And Christ cured the mute boy. Remember he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and, the, and the, all the apostles were like, we don't understand what's going on here. Why, you know, why can't we heal this boy? And you know, they're making a big mess out of it. And then he came and he healed the boy. So the need though, however, and we talked about this again last week, the need for spiritual healing is spiritual renewal. We don't just take out a spiritual problem, you know, like you eradicate like a cancer and leave a person alone. We need to fill a soul with Christ. We need to fill a soul with the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus refers to in Luke eleven twenty four, when he says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through aired places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When, I, when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. So, you know, some victory. You know, some personal victory. I, I've got rid of this demon, whatever it may be. The, maybe the, 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 the addiction to c- cigarettes or alcohol or pornography or whatever. So the, here, I swept clean my house for a little bit, my own strength. And it's nice and clean for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of days, maybe a couple of years, whatever. But then all of a sudden, something else comes in and captures you. I think we kind of can see how this could happen. So it comes back. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go and live there. And the final condition, that person is worse than the first. So we can think by looking at this, the implications are, what we need to do when we clear out our life? And it's kind of good to have a disciplined life where you can do that. But you have to fill it with something else. And I think the, the, what, what Jesus is, 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 is alluding to here is the Holy Spirit. You need to fill your life with Christ. If you empty your life because you don't like things, maybe you go to church, you hear that these certain things are negative, you want to get rid of it, but you don't know what, but, but and you're getting rid of it, but you're not filling yourself with the Holy Spirit, you're not filling yourself with God, you're going to find yourself in a very dangerous situation, potentially. You've got to fill your life with Christ. And here's some contemporary symptoms. And I, in, in the parenthesis here, I said these symptoms are not sufficient indicators for spiritual afflictions. These symptoms can have other causes that are not spiritual. In other words, if you feel depressed, if you feel, you know, anxiety and fear, all these other symptoms, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a spiritual affliction, okay? It just means that, that generally these things accompany spiritual afflictions. And that would be depression, addictions, substance abuse, physical illness, um, physical or physical illnesses that are caused by spiritual afflictions like laziness, fear, anxiety, social disorders, you know, Anti, you know, social behavior, you know, getting locked up in jail. That's a deep spiritual problem. A lot of people are, 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 are being, and the thing is, like I talk about, like uh, prisons are considered correctional by psychologists. It's a correctional institute. It's to correct because they see it as an illness and needs to be corrected, to be healed. And I think that's right, but I think it's a spiritual thing. That's why it's good that there's chaplaincies in prisons because it's, it's like there should be chaplaincies in hospitals because people need to be cured spiritually criminal behavior, etc. Next slide. So we kind of get an idea what spiritual afflictions are. And the thing is, I talk about all the time, like, 
the culture, you know, the, the, the tempid, cold, the culture, you know, and I, and I see a lot of time what people, quite young, especially men, do to themselves through spiritual, you know, illness, spiritual afflictions, spiritual rebellion, spiritual disobedience to God. And a lot of times what happens is they get lazy, they become addicted to alcohol or whatever, substance abuse, uh, and they stop actually living their life. And they end up just staying in their homes, in their houses, in their beds. And what happens is they start actually inflicting physical illness on themselves. Because if you don't use your body, your body starts to deteriorate. You know, you need to exercise. And I see it, you know, laziness, you know what I'm saying? Like, and a lot of it is rooted on like just a general disobedience. I will not follow God. I will not obey God. I will not respect God. I will not. And, and what and it happens, I see a lot of people my age even walking up and down the street with canes because, they, because their bodies are shutting down on them. Because they refuse to, you know, live their lives. And they refuse to go out and work and live life that God has given to them. And to me, that's really sad. And that's a deep spiritual problem that we see even in our own community. There's also natural afflictions, the second kind of affliction. And, that, and these are caused by, again, the fallen nature of the world. It just happens to be we're living in a world that's fallen. And because of it, there, it comes its woes and problems and, and tra- tra- tragedies. And these include accidents, genuine accidents. You know, someone, you know, gets hit by a car. They're, you know, they, they break their leg. They go into a coma. That, 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 that's a natural, it's an accident. It's something that just happens. You know, it may not be spiritual. It's just something that happens. Like workplace injuries. Or even birth defects, like cerebral palsy. They believe that cerebral palsy is, is believed to be, as far as I know, something that happens at birth. Something goes wrong and in, 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 in auctions deprived from the person's mind. And so they you know, it, it, it causes brain damage and affects the whole body as it grows from young age. It's just an accident, natural afflictions. And there's also a lot of other things. They can also include genetic disorders like autism, Down syndrome. Um, we think, Miles, what does he have? We don't know. It's, 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 it's probably a genetic condition. That's happened. Just a natural, it just happens. When the genes come together and things start to fuse, sometimes... Things go wrong, you know? It's just natural. Not spiritual, just natural. It's things that happen. And, and the Bible has a couple of examples I've listed here. There's the lame man. Again, look at his condition, as opposed to being mad and mute. He's a lame man. A man can't walk. And he was healed by the apostles of the beautiful gate in Acts 3. We also have the man who was born blind. And again, another physical affliction or natural affliction. That Jesus healed him in John chapter 9. And there's also other, many other examples. So different kinds of afflictions. There is no spiritual cause for some afflictions. However, the cure can be spiritual because the Spirit's powerful and the Spirit can affect natural things. And it can be intended for great things like giving glory to God. See, John 9.3 is an example of why sometimes physical afflictions are, happen is to actually, so when the healing happens, God gets credit for it. John 9.3 says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Again, the cause of this man's affliction isn't sin. It isn't moral disobedience. You know what I'm saying? It isn't a spiritual affliction. It's just natural. But Jesus said, but the reason why these things happen is that the works of God might be displayed in him. So interesting, isn't it? Next um, slide, please. And we'll deal with a third affliction. And there's a third affliction. I call this the trying afflictions. The trying afflictions. And, and, and these can be both spiritual and or natural. Okay, it can be spiritually caused, it can be naturally caused, but these are afflictions that just don't go away. These don't go away. 
And we have an, the best example is Paul. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 says this, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, it was given, or I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. So something happening in his flesh to torment him. An affliction, a physical, it's in the flesh. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He prayed, a man of great faith prayed, Lord, heal me. More than just once, on several occasions, he prayed, Lord, please heal me. But God chose not to. But instead, God's response is in verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And this is where we deal with God's sovereignty. we got to reconcile and recognize that God's in control. And things sometimes happen for a very specific reason that is in conjunction with God's will. And we have a few contemporary cases of this. Um, Amy Carmichael, who was um, a missionary to India, well, she was bedridden for the last 10 years of her life while continuing to serve God faithfully in India. Um, Joni Erickson Tata, who as a teenager became a um, quadri quadriplegic paralytic <laughs> in an accident. And she, but, but she's had a very active public and ministerial life. She's an advocate for other disabilities. She's out there sharing the gospel, being used, even within her disability. So you guys see the three different flesh, you've got spiritual ones. And this is the ones we really want to address as a church, healing people, reaching out to people, praying for people. But we also have the physical ones that, you know, we're there. We're there to help, to aid. And sometimes afflictions are healed, but sometimes they're not. Maybe they're a trying affliction like this, where they're going to, we're going to have it for the rest of our lives, but, but maybe ultimately it's... It brings glory to God. Next slide, please. And I have this slide here to consider. Do we have the faith to accept these things? Do we have the faith to accept these things? It says here in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I say these things to you, that, that in me you may have peace. In Christ is where we find peace. That's where the healing is in all these situations. In the world, so i.e. just living in this place, the earth, whatever. In this place, we're going to have lots of tribulations. Things are going to happen. It's not going to be free of trouble. But we can take heart. We can be encouraged that Christ, he has overcome the world. Next slide, please. And now we come to the second part, part two, <laughs> which we'll see how much we could do. It's actually pretty straightforward, guys. In the, in the implication, the message is this. When you serve God, you will receive opposition. Okay? It can come from family, friends, community, work colleagues, other religious groups, other community groups. It's funny because I think we're talking to Daniel. I go, every time we set out to do something in the community and it's successful, there's always a community group that copies us. And does it on the same day or just before and tries to steal our success, if you will. And I always wonder, why can't they just do something different? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just, just a bit different. But the cool thing is, I'm not bothered. Because you know what? God will bring to us who he wants to bring to us. And all the others can go to them. Right? 
because we want to work with, with fresh hearts, fresh minds. But, but the thing is, it, it, it can tend to discourage you. It's like, oh, man, they used to come to our group, now they're going to that group. What's up with that? Why can't they do it on a different night or do something different? Why do they copy us? I don't understand it. Because it's spiritual, that's why. But the cool thing is, I was telling Danny, go, well, you know what? We come up with new ideas. Because the, the village has a lot of things it needs. But we can just do those other things instead. We've got the power, we got the manpower, we got the Holy Spirit power. We can do whatever we want. If they want to do what we did two years ago, well, then they can do it. We can do something new and fresh and exciting. But, the, but, but, but that's besides the point. The point is we're going to receive opposition from various sources, various things, and that's one example of it. And Acts 5, verse 17 says this, And the high priest and all of his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. And that a lot of times is the, is the motivation. They don't, people don't like seeing you doing well especially doing well with the Lord. They get jealous. People don't want to see the church doing well, growing, you know, especially if they're, it's a fallen you know, atheistic group or community of people. They don't want to see the church succeed. They don't want to see us succeed. They don't want to see you succeed because of jealousy. So they arrested the apostles and put them into public jail. But during the night, an angel Lord opened the door of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. So that's the instruction. Now, they are freed. This is a crazy, miraculous thing. As angel freed them, if I, I would be tempted to just hit the road. I'm out of here, guys. I'm done. I'm going to Spain and, and lay on the beach side. I'm out of here. But the thing is, but, but the angel says, but here's a command. You're not going to go anywhere. You're going to come back tomorrow and go to where you were busted last time. Right in the, the heat of it, the temple courts, where the Sadducees and Pharisees like to hang out. So you're going to leave, have a good night's rest, but you're going to go right back. What? Why are you doing this to me? That's the command. And what did they do? I love what they did. 21. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, and they did as they've been told. Began to teach the people. Obedience. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the Officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the door, but when they opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. So, panic, fear, what's going on here? Let's read on the story, because it's actually pretty straightforward and easy to get. And here, the heading I put in the next slides is, who do you fear? Because the reality is, I like this, we see different people fearing different things. Do we fear God, or do we fear the man, i.e. people? Okay? Verse 25, going on with the story. And someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. So they're obedient. They do what they're asked to do by God. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they, important, feared that the people would stone them. So they had fear of the people. Okay, interesting. That, that's, I think, the problem with the, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They, 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 they're more interested in what other people thought of them more than God. Let's look at the apostles' attitude as a contrast. In verse 27, the apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. And, the, and they say, we give you strict orders not to teach in his name, he said. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of his man's blood. 
Peter, his response is very important because it determines who he is, has great reverence or fear for. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. So see, the Sadducees made their choice to, to be men pleasers or men fears or men reverent. What do other people think about me and feel about me? And I think that we, we can call that today peer pressure to a certain extent. I don't want to make a decision for Christ that's too bold because then people think I'm a Bible brash and freaky cult person, right? I'm, I fear people. I fear what they think of me. But the apostle says, something's going on here and God's brought us here for some reason. So I have to do, I have to be, I have to honor this. And I have to respect God, honor God, and give God the fear. Even if I'd look stupid to people. So he goes, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. That's the gospel. That's what they have to do. And here's important for verses in verse 32. We are witnesses of these things. They have to. They are bearing testimony of what they have seen. They're witnesses of these things. And here's the very important thing. Please get this, guys. This is ultra, ultra important. And so they're witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey. So who's a witness? The apostles, because they've seen it, right? They've seen Christ, they've seen what Christ has done, they've seen him raise, they've seen him ascend. But who else is a witness of it? The Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So who are those that God, who are those who obey God? Who are those who have the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey? Does that not include us? So we're just as much witnesses or testifiers of Christ because of the Holy Spirit lives within us. Okay, look at the little bullet point I have here. Do you understand what this means? <laughs> if you claim the Holy Spirit is in you, moreover, that you obey him, you know, you belong to God, then you are witnesses of these things. What we see in verses 30 and 31. God, of our ancestors, raised Jesus from the dead whom you killed by hanging on the cross. Do you feel like you're a witness of this? Do you feel like you can testify because of the Holy Spirit living within you? God exalted him on his own right hand, the prince, savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. If you feel like the Holy Spirit's in you and you bear the testimony of this, then you're an actual proper witness because of the Holy Spirit, that person that's inside of you. By the testimony of the Holy Spirit living in you. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that powerful stuff? 